1 John chapter 4. And verse 15. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love. You know, you not only need to believe in God, you need to believe in love. Because God is love, as we see here. That God hath to us, God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. How do we know that, that we're dwelling in God? One of the ways that we're dwelling in love. Because that's the nature, the very nature of God. So as we become more like him, you know, the Bible says, uh, John 13, 34, that by this you shall know, all men shall know that you are my disciples, if you have love one toward another. And I'm not preaching on that, but uh, just want to bring that out. He says, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Father, thank you today for your people. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for, for moving in the hearts of people today. Lord, I thank you that, that this year has been a great year. And, Lord, that, that even in the midst of, of the things that are happening for the world, Lord, we choose not to participate. Lord, that, that your blessing, that, that you bring us into a wealthy place this year. Lord, I just thank you for your word that's anointed today. Lord, I thank you every heart that's receptive. In Jesus' name. Amen. Notice here he says, herein is our love made perfect. Now, don't get thrown by that word perfect. It just means fully grown and mature. I don't know about you, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> but I'm, I'm working on getting there. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we. In this world. Say that. As he is. As he is. So, are we in this world. so are we in this world. Do you see yourself like him? Do you see yourself being like Jesus? A lot of people, you know, you, you say that and they say, you know, if I got up here and say, well, you know, we, Jesus said this in, in, in the um, gospel accounts. He says, be perfect as my Father is in heaven is perfect. You say that to a lot of people, and, you, and uh, they're like, oh, no, not me. And you say, well, you know, we're not perfect. Yeah, amen. <laughs> Sad but true. <laughs> but what are we supposed to do? Just like Jesus said in that verse, what it means is uh, wholehearted. And, you know, I'm... In the new year, at some point, I'm going to teach on that and teach what the Bible says about perfection and about maturity and doing things wholehearted. You know, God wants us to be in. He doesn't want us playing with his things. And so being wholehearted, uh, you know, um, the Bible talks about individuals who did things that were right, but their heart was not perfect. But then the Bible also talks about people that did things and, for instance, this one person, they, they removed all these idols, but they said they, they left the high places. Well, they were supposed to do that too. But they had a heart that was perfect. So God's not looking for you to be, we're not talking about perfection in the flesh. We're talking about being wholehearted. So you can be perfect towards the Lord, 
People say, well, you know, no one's perfect. Well, the Bible says Job was a perfect man. And that was before Jesus. Did he sin? Of course he, you know, he missed it. We're not talking about that. We're talking about being wholehearted. And so, but do you see yourself being like him? Most people, what are they? They're, they're very aware of their faults and their failures and the flesh. And so it's so important in life what we identify with. For instance, not our sins, our failures and shortcomings. Who's, who's never missed it in here? Well, good. We didn't have to have an altar call for lying. So here's the thing, though. God paint, wants to paint a picture from his word. But, you know, the enemy wants to paint a picture in, to you in life of, of every time you failed, every time you missed it, every time that you didn't f- fulfill a promise. You know, you're not good enough. You know, you're, you're too tall. You're too short. Whatever, you know. You know, you, you can't receive from God. You know, remember what you did. Remember what you did last night. Remember what you did yesterday morning. And that's why we, we have to deal with condemnation because condemnation is a confidence killer. But see, at this time of the year, people identify with Jesus in the manger. He's so Jesus, meek and mild, so, so lovely, you know, and just, he's just such a, you know. What do you see when you see a, a, a little baby? Yeah, the, the center of attention and just so nice and and so people come to church in what we call seasonese they they come for easter and they come to um you know at christmas time or or what we also call resurrection day you know so what happens is what people people come to church and they um they think well you know it's um you know, I'm going to come back at Christmas time and we'll see the baby again. And, and then people come back and then they, they, see, uh, they see Jesus, but then they come back. But then, you know, they come back and then Jesus is on the cross and it's like, oh man, he, he died. And, and uh, you know, and then they're all sad because Jesus died and raised again. But see, he, got, he was risen from the dead. But see, one of the things about it, and I've discovered, a lot of people like to keep Jesus as a babe. Why? Because then I'm not responsible. Amen. If I keep Jesus as a babe, then, then I don't have to make him the Lord of my life. Then I don't have to, let's just keep him as little, little baby Jesus. Little. But you know, Jesus is not little baby Jesus anymore. What is he? He's, he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And, and what the Bible says, he's coming back again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so whatever we identify with determines the direction that we go. The mental picture that we have on the inside of us. So I want you to turn over in your Bible to Luke chapter 2 and verse 11. I want to preach on Christ, my identity. Christ, my identity. Thank you, Lord. Notice the Bible says, 
Well, let's go back to verse 10. Maybe next week I'll preach a more traditional Christmas message. But um, maybe. Let me, uh, Luke 2 verse 9. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. I'll read. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Amen. I love that. He says, born this day in the city of David a Savior. We need a Savior. Which is Christ the Lord. So we're talking about Christ my identity. One of the things that we, we need to realize, and I think people need to understand, Christ is not, when you say Christ, a lot of times people just think that's Jesus' last name. But Christ is not his last name. Will Bedsoul. Bedsoul is my last name. Jesus, it's not Jesus and Christ is his last name. Christ actually means anointed one and his anointing. You have to look at the passage. It can mean both things. I can do all things through the anointed one or through the anointing which strengthens me. So it's not just I can do all things. A lot of times people just say that and it's just a title. But you know it is a title. Even when you look in the, um, in the gospel accounts, you'll see this. When you see the word Christ, you'll see sometimes it says Christ Jesus. Sometimes you'll see Jesus Christ. And anytime you see Christ Jesus, the emphasis is on his deity, that he's God. When we see uh, Jesus Christ, the emphasis is on his humanity. The hypostatic union in, in theological terms. <clears throat> I was trying to think of that this morning. It just hit me. Thank you, Lord. So, see, Jesus is the God-man. He, he never ceased being God. But the Bible says he lay aside his, his mighty weight and power and glory and became a man, Philippians 2 says. And so, what did he do? He took upon being a man. So, the thing we have to understand is he operated as a man. Because a lot of times people say, well, you know what? If you say, hey, just be perfectly... I'm not Jesus. What do you think? You know, I'm not, I'm not him. He's God. And so they see Jesus as some unattainable. Now, we don't, we're not taking anything away from him. I mean, he's, he's the Lord and Savior, and, and he's our supreme ruler. But, you know, he's, he's Lord of my life. <clears throat> but we have to understand that if it was unattainable, then he wouldn't have said that. And so we have to understand Jesus walked as a man anointed by the Spirit. That's why we can do the same works that He did. How else can I do the same works? John 14, 12. He talked about these works shall you do and greater works than these because I go to my Father. So everything that we do is by the Holy Ghost. See, Jesus depended upon the Spirit of God just like we do. And so we're talking about the anointed one, His anointing. My identification is in Christ. In Christ. 
I don't just identify. I wish I had the message translation, um, this one verse uh, where Apostle Paul says, talking about Jew and Greek, and the message talks about, you know, we don't go by those names anymore, Jew, Greek, different things. Um, no, it's fine. <clears throat> why? We go by, we're in Christ now. That's why, you know, it's, it's okay to find out about your genealogy. But like one person said, you know, everybody's genealogy, there's a, a few, you know, fruits, nuts, and flakes. So, you know, you know, the, the main thing you would need to understand is this. First John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. So that's my genealogy. I'm of God. Amen. And so my identification is in Christ, not as a babe, but as the risen Lord, as my Lord and Savior, the one who leads me, the one who guides me, the one who protects me, the one who feeds me with knowledge and skill, the one who provides, the one who gives counsel to my life. So find scriptures about your identity. What do we, we see a lot of times that in, in talking to people, that, that people just need to know who they are in Christ. A lot of times it's no more complicated than that. Who they are. You know, it's kind of like um, Brother Kenneth Hagin said one time he was watching uh, Christian TV. He said he got so mad he just had to turn it off, you know. But he said that this lady got on there and she was talking about how she left her husband and going out in the world because she had to find out who she was. He's like, Lord, I'd rather hear a donkey bring it in a tin barn at midnight than hearing that. At least watch a Western is more edifying. But, you know, <laughs> at least we know it's real, right? <clears throat> but find scriptures who you are. See, I know who I am. You know, and one thing that, that my wife and I endeavor to do in talking to people um, along the lines of marriage is you are complete in him. Amen. Amen. Or people desiring to get married. You are complete in him. Yeah. What does that mean? Colossians 2.10 says, and you are complete in him. So, you know, because a lot of times people say, well, you know, they're just such a wonderful person. They complete me. Well, it's better than competing, but, you know, you don't need to compete against one another. <laughs> You'd rather be a completion, but, but Jesus completes us fine because if I am made whole on the inside and I'm a whole person, you know, a lot of people are just broken. And so they need to be whole, made whole. They're like a fraction. They think, okay, I'm a half and I'm a fraction and they're a half. And so we'll be one whole. No, but you, what you need is to be whole and be one plus one and be come together. And so Jesus completes me. And so find your identification in him. In fact, when you read the Bible in the epistles, and um, the epistles, read your Old Testament, read the, the gospel accounts, but definitely stay, have a steady diet of the epistles. Someone said, what's the epistles? They thought it was the, the wives of the apostles. But the epistles just means letters. Letters to the church. So when Paul wrote the, the letters to the church, that's who we are. He's writing to us. 
See, the gospel accounts are written for me, but the epistles are written to me. See what I mean? We get things from the gospel accounts, and it's written for my benefit, but the epistles are written to me, to the church. They tell me who I am in Christ. And if you, if you go through there, you'll see all these different phrases. In him. In whom. By whom. By whom we've obtained redemption. In whom we have redemption. In him we live and move and have our being. So take those scriptures and personalize those. That's who I am. And don't let feelings tell you. If you want to be a successful Christian, base your beliefs on the Bible. See, one thing about it, you, the Bible says casting down imaginations and every high thing, every lofty thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What does that mean? The knowledge of God is his word. Anything that comes against it, challenging that, you, you cast it down. It, like in, the, in the Greek, it's, it's like the word for throw. Like you throw a ball. Can you take a thought and throw it? Obviously, you can. <laughs> you have to take thoughts, and I'm, I know from whence I speak. Sometimes those thoughts, they'll come back, they'll come back, even a thousand times. What do you do? You just cast them down, and you replace it with what the Bible says. But don't let feelings tell you. You know, a lot of times, I mean, this applies to so many different areas. But see, one of the things you have to realize is don't let your feelings tell you and don't be letting your desires tell you. How many know that, that we live in a physical body that's not been born again? When we got born again, our spirit got born again. Not our body and not our mind, unfortunately. One day it's all going to be together. It's going to be this... You know, when we have a glorified body, putting on incorruption. But our spirit man has been born again. That's why from thence, we have the lifelong goal of renewing our mind, making it conform to the Word of God, and controlling our body. The body, um, 1 Corinthians nine twenty seven. Paul said, I keep under my body. Well, obviously, we are not a body then, right? He says, I Keep under my body. What's he saying? I, the inward man, I keep under this body. And I bring it into subjection. Lest it by any means when I preach to others, my, I myself should be a castaway or, or disapproved. So here's a great man of faith, the Apostle Paul, who had multiple revelations of the Lord. He said, if I don't control my body, it's going to cause me to be disqualified. It's going to cause me. And we know you know, people that have been disqualified, people that have been taken out or, or just sidelined because of the body. And so we've all missed it in this area. But we, begin, we have to, as the Bible says, mortify the flesh. How many know that the flesh, it cries out too? I don't care what you're talking about, what desire. You know, if you say something, you know, it's like people make all these New Year's resolutions. You know, I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to have that. And your body cries out. Well, I got to have my butterfinger. <laughs> I have that every, every day at break. Yeah. And, you know, your body cries. And so we have to learn how to, you know, even, even if people have desires, 
for the opposite sex, which has to be controlled, or even the same sex. And, and so th- these thoughts come, and the devil says, that's who you are, and puts those thoughts in. And so what do, what do people do? They get in these circumstances, and they say, well, you know, I just have these feelings, and, and I just must be, so I might as well be. It's like, no, you resist those thoughts in Jesus' name. Well, you know, that's like saying, well, you know, I feel like just eating the whole chocolate cake. So I must be a glutton. That's what I'm am, you know, and I'm just, I'm just a glutton and a wine bibber and, you know, like the Bible says. You know, I, but see, that's, that's what the enemy wants you to do. Because see, what happens is thoughts come to us, thoughts come to us, and we have to decide, what am I going to do with that thought? The most holy saint has found thoughts in their mind that their heart resents. And see, this is where people, if they can understand this, it'll set them free because a lot of times the enemy, he'll bring thoughts. Who's ever, you, know, you don't have to raise your hand, just look for it. But who's ever had thoughts that come to you and you resist them, you resist them, and then you give into it. You know, the devil told you to do this or whatever. And you had this fail, And then... You did it, and then he's sitting around your shoulder condemning you for doing it. I mean, what a nasty devil. You know, hey, you ate, three, you ate two pieces of that. You might as well eat the whole cake. And then, and then he sits on your shoulder and says, look what you did. I mean, what a lousy devil. But see, don't let your... Say this. I don't let my feelings... Tell me who I am. Say this. My desires don't rule me. Because see, that's what people, people think. Oh my gosh, I'm having a desire to... Let me, let me give you this example. There was a minister. He was talking about um, this, this man who was up on a, like a real high skyscraper. And he was up on like the 30th floor and he's looking down. And he says that he could see people look like ants, you know, and just, he's looking down. And he said, as he's standing there, the, the, the thoughts and the feelings just said, why don't you jump? And, um, you know, a lot, a lot of people would have thought, oh, my Lord, I'm suicidal. Oh, my Lord. Why am I even feeling like that? And, and, and the person might say, well, you know, I, I have a spirit of suicide. And the devil said, you have three. Three spirits. But anyway, this man got up up there, and uh, it was really wonderful what he did. So this feeling just just came to him and said, why don't you jump? He just turned around and said, nope, you jump. And so what did he do? He realized that those thoughts did not come from me. See, here's the thing. Thoughts will come repeatedly. But you have to realize that, that thoughts are coming. There's thoughts that come from the inside, up from God, from our heart, up to our mind. But then there's thoughts that are out here. I mean, you can even be in church and you think, oh, man, where'd that come from? I mean, it's worse than left field. It came way out there. It was from outer space. But see, those things don't define us. Why? Because Christ is my identity. Even if you're struggling with something, I like what I heard someone say one time, I am not my sin. 
So if someone's struggling with a sin, they need to realize, I am not that thing. I'm overcoming. And what, what happens is you begin to say that and say that and agree with the word, then you are free. Hallelujah. Why? Because as he is, so are we in this world. Just think of seeing Jesus right now. And you can turn over to 1 Corinthians one thirty. As Jesus is right now, you know Jesus is not depressed. Jesus is not, he's not worried about the economy. As he is, so are we in this world. How many know that he had perfect relationship and fellowship with the Father? See, and when you start saying that, people think, oh, man. When, when you say you can have the same fellowship he had, what do people say? I'm not Jesus. But see, he walked as a man, so I can have the same fellowship. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. I need to turn there myself. First Corinthians one and verse thirty. But of him are you in Christ Jesus. There's one of those in Christ. Who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption? That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. So I want to just break this verse down and give you four truths right here. Number one, because of being in Christ, we have wisdom. I have the wisdom of God. Say that. I have the wisdom of God. And you know, sometimes people might say, well, why do you say those things? Why do you repeat those things? Because as you say those things, they register on your heart. They register in your mind. So notice, I'm in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. So Jesus is actually my wisdom. The Bible says over in James, I want to read James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Let's read verse 2. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the Trying your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect. There's that word again. Perfect and entire. Wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally. So that God's not just going to give you just a little bit and oh, that's enough. He's going to give and, and not hold back. He upbraids not. So what does that mean? He's not going to say, well, you asked for wisdom last month, but, you know, I'll give it to you one more time. <laughs> God's not going to get upset for you asking for wisdom. He didn't upbraid you. And it says, it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. But for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. 
So when we need wisdom, what do we do? We ask. We say, Father, Lord, I need wisdom in this situation. I need, I need to understand this, and I'm not seeing this. I'm asking you for wisdom. Show me what to do in this situation. And, Lord, I ask you for it. I believe I receive it now in Jesus' name. Amen. And then you don't go off and say, well, I don't know if the Lord gave it or not. Well, you know, I'm believing God, but I really don't know what to do. No, you just say, you know, by faith, I have the wisdom of God. Why? Because I'm in Christ. I have his anointing. You know, the anointing makes up the difference. We always say that, but, but the anointing makes up the difference. If the anointing doesn't make up the difference, then I'm in trouble. So Jesus is the wisdom of God. Then number two, righteousness. Righteousness. You know, a lot of times people get lost in that word because it's old English. What is that righteousness stuff? Righteousness just means right standing. I'm in right standing with him. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5, well, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, there's that in Christ again. He is a new creation, a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, what's that talking about? It's talking about in your spirit. So, like... Everything in our, I mean, one day we will get a new body, but right now, until that redemption, that's just talking about our spirit. So if you were bald before you were born again, you're still bald. I mean, I've never, maybe the Lord could give you new hair at the new birth, but uh, it's just talking about your body. And it's talking about your spirit. Behold, all things are become new. What does that mean? All things in my spirit are new. And all things are of God talking about the new birth, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, or to know that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. See, see we see the, the angels announcing the, uh, Jesus, but see, now men preach the gospel. And men have always preached the gospel. Angels don't preach the gospel. They're they're sent as messengers, but God's given us to be uh, with the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. You know, when you read that, it should should make you just kind of like square your shoulders up a little bit. And You know, I'm an ambassador. I'm an ambassador for Christ. You know, when we see an ambassador for a nation, you know, they don't. They don't live in a, a, a pig pen. You know, they don't live in a, you know, they don't, you know, aren't without. They, they have everything that that nation represents. So they can be in a poor nation and then you see this wonderful mansion like, and it's like, oh, that's the embassy. United States embassy. We're ambassadors for him. We represent him. So that's what people see, you know. The Bible says that we are, are living epistles. Why? People are reading your life every day. I mean, I, 
sometimes you, you get checks in, in life and it gives you, I, I told you a story about what happened one time with a phone call. Well, I had the same, I pocket dialed somebody yesterday. And then, and then I thought to myself, what did I just say the last minute? You know, I'm just thinking to myself. Because I had just spoke to somebody and then I hung up and it was still, the phone was still opened up. And I was like, man, you can put numbers, you can put security numbers on there. It doesn't matter. You're still going to have those chances where you can pocket dial somebody. And so anyway, thankfully, I, you know, not like I endeavor to ever, you know, cut the fool or anything. But, you know, you're just so thankful those times. It's like, oh, praise God, I said something. You know, I was good. You know, it was edifying. Maybe I was speaking in tongues. I didn't know what I was saying. But, <laughs> but anyway. He says here that we're ambassadors as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. So in the place of, of God, in the place of Jesus standing here, we say be reconciled to God. Yes. Why? Because he's not here. He's here in us, and, but he's at the right hand of the Father. So we're his representatives now. I heard a, a wonderful illustration one time praying for a, a little child that was um, you know, deformed. And they prayed for the child, and they said, who in here believes, the minister of this large crusade said, who in here believes that, that if Jesus was standing right here, he would pray for the child and heal the child? Well, of course, everyone raised their hand, you know. And they said, okay, he did, he's not here, but he sent me as his ambassador. Is that real to us? He says, pray, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. Verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So he made Jesus to be sin. When he was on the cross and he said, my God, why have you forsaken me? The reason why is it was the first time he was going to be separated from the Father, from eternity past. But also, all the ugliness of sin. All the ugliness of sin, just, he saw that. And so he knew he was going to be, he didn't just take it on, he became sin. He never sinned, but he became sin. It was laid upon him. And so, he became that. Why? That we might not just have some good deeds. Not that we would just be forgiven sinners. Not that we would just... We would have a total transformation. A total, as verse 17 says, a new birth. We, we're not just renovated like a mattress. It's still got the P on it. We're not renovated like a mattress. And, and just put back together. Let's put a little more stuffing back in the bear, you know. And... No, we are, the Bible says, a new species that never before existed. So if, if, if your family members think, man, they're nuts and I don't even recognize them anymore, there's a reason why. Because you're a new creation. You're a new creature. And, and that's why when you go back to, to your old friends and try to talk to them, you just notice, man, there's just, well, there's nothing that we, we have in common. An old, here's a good colloquial expression. We just don't jihaw. I mean, you, you just, something's just not right, you know. Well, that, that's, 
that's, that's the way it is. Why? Because you have light and darkness. But, but we have been made the righteousness of God in Him. So what does that mean? That means that in Christ Jesus, I am right with God. Now, don't forget those last two words, in Him. You know, people say, I'm the righteousness of God. No, you're not. In Him. In Christ. And I don't have time to teach on, on this, but I want to just give you four in you realities real quick. You mean in Him? No, in you. In you, you are nothing. In Him, you have nothing. In Him, you know nothing. And what's the fourth one? <clears throat> well, how many know? I have nothing, I know nothing, I can do nothing, and I am nothing. Why? In myself. But I'm not in myself, I'm in Him. In Christ. Hallelujah. So I'm righteous no matter what I feel like. People say, well, I don't even feel saved today. You don't look saved. <laughs> Believe me, ask your spouse. No, just kidding. But no matter how I feel, why? Because even forgiveness, you can ask the Lord to forgive you. Who's ever asked the Lord to forgive them and then you still feel rotten? And then you go back and you say, Lord, I didn't make a connection. Father, I ask you to forgive me, wash me, and cleanse me. And he says, okay. And then you just feel, 10 minutes later, you feel rotten and you're thinking about what happened. Lord, something just isn't right. I got to pray that again. And um, how come I know that? Because, I mean, you, you pray that and you just pray it over. And so you have to remind yourself. And one of the big things you have to do is forgive yourself. Because it's, it's just as wrong to hold things against yourself as it is other people. Number three, he says sanctification. That's another big word there. What does sanctification mean? It just literally means to be set apart. He sets me apart for himself as pure and holy. Now, don't ask your feelings. Just say it to yourself. Even when you've, even when you've missed it, that's when, that's when you really need to say it. I'm, I'm righteous, I'm pure, I'm holy. After you've repented and the Lord's forgiven you. And you say, I'm pure and I'm holy. And so, one of the things we have to realize is sanctification being set apart. You know, a lot of people think, well, you know, I'm, I'm saved, I'm sanctified, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, and I'll never make a mistake, and I'll never miss it. Well, not automatically you will. Not unless you're intending to walk after the Lord. And so, one of the things we have to realize is that, that sanctification, the process of walking after Him, is twofold. Number one, when you're born again, you are set apart. You are sanctified. And thank God for that. But also after that, the second part, which is very important, is sanctification is an ongoing process. We should be more sanctified this year than last year. And next year we should be more set apart. Think about like we, we, um, for Thanksgiving we ate on some china. Who has china? Well, it's the China we've had for 16 years, and it still looks, you know, new. Why? Because 
you know, we don't use it to eat burritos and, and everything else. It's special days. Well, that's what we are for the Lord. We are special. We are set apart. You know, I don't take the fine cups out. Not like I changed the oil in the car anyway. But I, don't, I wouldn't take that out. I wouldn't take that out and use it to change the oil. Oh, um, babe, give me the, uh, that, that nice, uh, fine, um, those cups and, and, you know, let's put the oil in there. No. And that's why we should be, the Bible says, unspotted from the world. Keep our vessels in sanctification and honor. And see, that's what the Bible says, that he's able to keep that which I commit unto him. Well, you know, I've been trying hard. Well, quit trying so hard in the flesh. Just allow the Holy Spirit to help you. Who, the Bible says don't frustrate the grace of God. I'm sure I've frustrated God and myself at the same time. Because I've, I've, I've tried to do things and, and, and tried to, oh God, I promise I'll never do that again. I promise you. And then, you know, then you do it again and then you, you feel even worse. And so that's why it's about a, a heart commitment. And so thank God when the Lord forgives us, he washes us and cleanses us. And sets us apart. And, and one thing I found in my life is, is when I got born again, there were several things that, that left me immediately. Other things, for lack of a better word, you had to work on. Some people may be their temper. And so you just have to have an ongoing process of sanctification, being set apart from the world. How am I going to do that? By the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit. And then number four, he says here, righteousness, going down, um, <clears throat> wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. The reason Jesus was in the manger, he came to this earth, was that he was born to die. He was born to die to pay the price, and the ultimate price for you and me. Thank you, Lord. I mean, there's nothing more exciting Jesus came to reveal the Father and also to provide redemption for us. And so then the Bible says uh, in 1 Corinthians 6, I'm going to just read a couple of scriptures here. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Which is in you. Which you have of God. And you are not your own. I am not my own. The Lord has a say in my life. And believe me. I want him to have a say in my life. I want to keep. I want the Lord now to be on a real tight string. About three inches. You know to where. I start to even think about making a wrong decision. He's like okay now. You know, I don't, want the, I don't want to be like 200 yards away in the, hey, come back. You know, if I start to go a direction that's not right, I get a check and it's like, it, it, there's that displeasing on the inside of me that I know is like, oh, something's not right with that. Go the other direction. And you know, when it, let me just say this. When it comes to your flesh, you can't trust it as far as you can throw it. There's one word you need to know for your flesh. No. And, and you know what? 
Don't, don't think you're strong enough sometimes. There's sometimes you need to just do like Joseph. You need to, what did Joseph do? He ran. He ran. Here's this woman that tempting him. He didn't sit around and, and, you know, talk about things. She grabbed hold and what? The next thing you know, left his coat there. He, he ran out of his coat. So there's, there's things that you need to do sometimes and run. I'm going to give this a quick example. There was a man, uh, I heard this testimony, this, this minister, he worked in uh, the, the Kenneth Ministries Healing School. He said that, that this man came there as a last resort and um, needed help. Well, thank God we can go to God and not wait to the very end. But anyway, this man was very successful as a lawyer and he had all these, I mean, he was very successful and had, you know, wealth and prosperity. But he began to drink and um, it doesn't matter what the, what it is, drinking or whatever, but he, he began to drink and drink socially and then drink at home before he went to work. And then he lost everything. And so he lost everything in his, in his business and um, his relationship with his kids and everything. So he, um, he went to healing school at the last resort. The minister prayed for him, got him, um, you know, to the Lord. And he was so excited. He said, it felt like something just snapped off of me as I did that and uh, prayed that prayer. And he said he was free. Amen. How many know there's freedom in God? There's freedom in the Holy Ghost. So he was free. He said, but I had something else in my heart. He said, I, I had my hands right there on his head and I, I held him and looked at him. He said, he says, listen up. He said, whenever temptation comes to you, he said, do you remember what happened with uh, Joseph? He said, he ran. And he said, whenever alcohol comes back, he says, run. He said, now, you know, the Lord, you know, the Lord's had mercy on you. I mean, there, if you look back at your own past, you can say this. The Lord had mercy on you. The Lord had mercy. But once you know better and the Lord gives you knowledge, all the enemies are looking for is you to go back one more time and have one more shot. And so, anyway, he's, he's doing good for a couple years. But then, and even his business partners took him back. He got restored to his wife, to his kids. He went, to, um, went, went out to lunch with some um, business people, have, had a, had clients, and they were socially drinking. He said... Um, he looked over there, he's looking at that drink, and he's thinking, now what should he have done right then? Run. No matter if it offended them or whatever. Sorry, I got to go. I forgot about something. You know, I got to go. But he, he's looking at that. He said, well, it won't hurt once. And so that he's, that's why that, that warning was so strong for the Lord in the minister's heart. Run. So he said, you know, I'll just drink one drink. Four days later, they found him in an alley. He'd had a massive stroke. And he, um, that's what the enemy was waiting for. And so there he was in a wheelchair. He couldn't even speak. And I um, heard the, uh, another story about, and I'm talking about, you know, people that, this lady, she knew God. 
she was a minister, and she, she actually came out of what we would call the nightlife. And, um, she, um, in Vegas and different things. Well, the Lord saved her, and uh, she had a ministry. Well, um, some years later, she thought, you know what? I feel like I'm going to go back and uh, minister to these people. And um, she went into a casino. And um, she says she's talking to him. He's going to talk to him about the Lord. She noticed that she's running her finger around the top of a margarita. And, you know, she's going to lick the salt and all that. And um, thankfully, she had the presence of mind. She got up and she ran. Probably shouldn't have been in there in the first place. But, you know, the enemy says that, you know, hey, go into this part of town and go, go over here. So you'll know how to pray. Make it real spiritual, you know. <laughs> hey, I just, hey, I was calling to find out. Not that I'm, um, I'm, you know, it's like people say, well, you know, I'm not being um, gossip, but I just want to know how to pray. So, so you can just tell me a whole lot of stuff at the same time. Then I'll know how to pray for them. Amen. <laughs> so, so when it comes to our flesh, don't trust your flesh. Don't put yourself, make it easy for yourself. Don't, don't put yourself, you know, people that have had problems maybe with alcohol, maybe they need to go around the long way home. Why? Because there's been, I've heard people say, you know, they, they dream about liquor. Well, they need to go around the other way. Amen. So say this, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Hallelujah. I didn't think I was getting off on all that, but it's good anyhow. But, you know, that's where people live. That's where we need to, that's when we deal and talk to people. That's real life. And so uh, it's not enough just to be spiritual on Sunday. We have to walk that out. And then 1 Peter 1, I'm going to end with this. 1 Peter 1. Notice this in verse 18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation. Now, when he says conversation, he's talking about your manner of life by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So I am redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, there's another verse I was just, just came to me. Let me see if I can find it real quick. I just want to give you something to chew on on the way home. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. See, I'm in Him. I'm not in the, those things that, are, that used to be in my life. I'm not in those things. Listen to what he says here in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves. Now, what's he, what's he talking about? Because you read these words and sometimes people think, well, what is that? Well, fornication, what's that? That's... Sex between people that are not married. Idolaters, adulterers, and of course then you're dealing with people that 
one of the people is married, uh, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. That's talking about homosexuality and lesbianism. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Is that Bible or not? But I want you to notice what verse 11 says. And such were some of you. Amen. Yeah, and that's, that's, the, that's the great word, were. were. Did you do this? Yeah, I was, a, I was a rascal, all right. But I was. Amen. Yeah, I did it. But I was. I, such were some of you. But notice this right here. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of my God. I wasn't even going to go to that verse, but when you read that verse, he, he's talking about being made just. That's righteous. And sanctified and set apart. So, you know, I, I know for me, there are certain verses that, that are good that the Lord will impress upon you for your own case. For me, for, for many years, it was this. I'm washed, I'm sanctified, I'm justified in the name of Jesus. Let's read it one more time. Let's read it out loud. You are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So begin to, to make sure that, that your identity is in Christ. And even if, if you're walking along and you think some, you know, you're doing really well, it may be something happened that knocked your feet right where your head was a few minutes before. Or, or vice versa, sorry. <laughs> what does that mean? You're flipped upside down. You're, you're laying on your head, so to speak. Will you just repent and say, Lord, forgive me? And then what do you do? Then you lift up your head. The Bible says we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us from our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If he cleanses me from unrighteousness, what does that mean? I'm righteous again. What does that mean? I can lift up my head again. That means I can pray. That means I can resist the enemy. And then if somebody comes and says, hey, I remember what you did. You just look at them and say, I'm innocent by the blood. God throws them in the sea of forgetfulness with a no fishing sign. So don't go fishing around for it. Don't go looking for it. Well, you know, I'm just going to, I want to dig up my past to get inner healing. And <clears throat> if the Lord deals with you with something to confess, that's, that's, that's one thing. But don't go looking for something. You know, the devil will wake you up at three in the morning. Well, you forgot about this. You're, you remember when you were six, you stole the, the cookie from Johnny. And you hurt your brother. <laughs> Don't go looking for it. You know, it's the same thing when people think, well, you know, I can't, I can't quite get to God. There must be some secret sin. You know, that's a lie from hell. You know if there's something there. You may not want to acknowledge it, but you know it's there. <laughs> How many know? You, you know it's there, but you don't want to deal with it. But there is no secret sin that... Because the devil just uses that to rob people. Hallelujah. But Jesus has made into me wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And guess what? I look better in him than I do out of him. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.
Father, we thank you today for being in Christ. Lord, we thank you for the anointing that removes every burden, destroys every yoke. Lord, that we can do all things through the anointed one and his anointing. Lord, we thank you for the anointing. Lord, that, that we're not depending on ourselves. Lord, we know that the faith life, living by faith, living by the word, is not a life of independence, but it's a life of total dependence upon you. So when we, we talk about these things, we know, Lord, it's not who we are in ourselves. It's who we are in you. And we thank you, Lord, that in you we have redemption. Sanctified, we're set apart, Lord, for your work. Thank you, Lord, that we would be meat for the master's use. Lord, that we'd be vessels of honor. Vessels, Lord, that would be able to be used. And Lord, I thank you that you would remove any hindrance. Lord, any, anything, any weights. Lord, even show, show us all, Lord, anything that we, we would remove the weights and the sin that does easily beset us so we can run our, our race with patience. Thank you, Lord. Lord, that, that you give us grace and mercy for the journey. Lord, and I thank you that, Lord, if we have fallen short in areas, we repent and we change and turn, turn around. And Lord, I thank you that you forgive us and you cleanse us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, just like, just like as I was ministering that, and, and just like, like Tyler said, that's where we live. You know, it's no good just to come to church and, and put, on a, put on a happy face. You know, gray skies are going to clear up. You know, well, thank God they do about in, in faith and believing God. But it's not just putting on a happy face and then going out bound. And so, you know, God, God wants to touch people. And so, you know, sometimes, sometimes all it takes is someone agreeing with you in prayer. It just takes someone to, to pray. I mean, I, th- I can look back at times when people prayed for me. And, you know, it made the difference. You know, it made the, the, why? Because the Lord was there. 